This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah, hustle in the house. Yeah, hustle in the what is going on? I'm Rob Fain. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 13th day of January. A couple of days off, but we're back feeling good, feeling full speed, and let's get to it. I'm not going to sit here with bells and whistles. I'm not going to bleed your ears dry with Canuck Talk for half an hour. We will save that for another day. Let's get you caught up on everything that is going on in the world of sports, because whether it is Novak Djokovic down in Australia, whether it's Kodak Black at an arena in Florida, or whether it is stuff going on north of the border with all different provinces, at all different stages of their COVID protocols, there is a lot to dissect. But let me get you to that one story that rises above all the rest. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest. Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Do you ever have that family member that comes over and he's got a pretty good job, he's got the nice car, he's got the wife, he's got the flashiness, and you kind of roll your eyes every time he comes over because you know that you're going to just have to sit there for the next 45 minutes to an hour and just listen to him wax on poetically about how good his life is, how the world is just treating him a little bit better than everybody else. It's kind of how I feel when I look right now at Australia and the number one seeded tennis player on earth, Novak Djokovic. It is obvious to me then he is losing his welcome in Australia. And not just with the diehards, not just with the sponsors, but the government and the fans as a whole, because he has basically gone into a foreign country, he is not Australian, and wiped his muddy shoes off on the white carpet at the front door, sat down, popped open your bag of chips, and changed the channel and watched what he wants to do, all in your house. That is essentially, if you want to put this in its simplest terms, what Jokovic is doing right now to everybody at the Australian Open. Now, don't get me wrong, he's trying to add to his legacy. He wants to cement his legacy as the greatest Grand Slam player to ever grace our presence. But the one thing that I will say is when to go and when not to go. Jokovic is an anti-vaxxer. And to be honest with you, even though I know that this is not the norm, if you don't want to get vaxxed, I can't make you. I know that it's the right thing to do. I know that I have gone to do it. I know that my family has gone to do it. But if you are hell-bent on trying to avoid that vaccination, then just stay away. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But there are consequences. For example, you can't go into a foreign country and decide that you're going to play tennis to cement your legacy while exposing others to a virus that right now has three-quarters of a million Australians isolating because they have COVID. 750,000 Australians right now battling COVID and all Jokovic can think about is how can he stay in the country as an anti-vaxxer going against the grain to try and cement his own personal legacy. This is going to affect his legacy. Now, maybe not globally. And as we all know, you're the big news story of the day until somebody else does something stupid and then the attention goes there. But I got to tell you, in tennis, there are long memories. This is a hallowed sport where courtesies and manners go a little bit longer than in certain other sports. And Jokovic right now is showing himself to be wildly selfish. 
And I'm not saying this just because he's chosen not to get the quote jab, but it's because the attention is solely on him. There are a number of other players who want to play in this tournament, who are ready to get seated, who are ready to try to send that mountain and hopefully become one of the greatest players of their generation. But holding up the party, because it is solely his party right now, is Novak Djokovic. If he was really about the game, and if he was really going to respect the Australian people in this tournament, he would withdraw. He would no longer go through the drama, but he is being so stubborn, and he is essentially ruining his name down under. Because the diehards are frustrated. The casuals want nothing to do with them. But when your sponsors and your diehards don't want them, then maybe you got to read the tea leaves and realize that it is time to perhaps get well, or at least let the world get well, so that you can cement your legacy properly. And you know what? It's only getting worse for him. Now, apparently, this is all new reports coming out today, that his paperwork doesn't line up, that his story doesn't seem to line up. And now, all of a sudden, the government of Spain is looking into a stopover that he had, where he may have broken their border protocols as well. For Jokovic, this is only getting worse. And the longer that he stays and tries to fight the good fight in Australia, the more mud's going to be slung and the more mud that's going to stick to the wall with his name associated to it. He would be wise to step back, apologize, leave Australia, and try to fight this fight another day because he is not going to win it. He's not going to win it in the court of public opinion, and he can appeal it all he wants, but I think the people of Australia are going to galvanize, and they are going to make an example out of an athlete that is trying to be above the law. That's essentially what you have to say Novak Djokovic is doing right now. All right, from a guy that potentially broke the law to a guy that didn't, but boy, did he have a lot of eyes on him. Let's go to the NHL. Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Canucks the other night battling. Panthers coming away with a 5-2 victory. For Vancouver, a little bit frustrating. They had all that time off because of the protocols, and then Francesco deciding that he didn't want to play in front of a 50% capacity arena, and yada, yada, yada. Go down to Florida, try to kickstart that 8-0-1 start. Bruce Boudreaux could do nothing but win, and now all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, Nobody's paying attention to that game. Yeah, Florida walks out with a 5-2 victory at home, but everybody's talking about rapper Kodak Black. Oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. Cutting in, shoots, scores! So imagine this. You go to a hockey game, ah, yeah, you look at the ticket stub and it's Florida and Vancouver. There's not a lot of history between those two teams, but you're sitting there and it's the middle stanza and all of a sudden you look down at the suites and you're like, man, I wish I could be sitting with those guys. You got the food service and you got those big couches. That you, oh my God. Is that Kodak Black? And he, no. Could you imagine, by the way, being Kodak Black and having the girl come up to you in the middle of the game and she's like, baby, just lean back. Just just lean back. I, I wish I had a more feminine voice for you. Just lean back, baby. But at Kodak Black, who's done time, is from the hip hop game. I mean, he's been around and this is probably just standard practice. Don't get me wrong, they're living that lush lifestyle. But could you imagine at an NHL hockey game with 18,000 fans and a good four or 5,000 facing directly in your sight line, leaning back and letting your girlfriend twerk you. And it wasn't just like a sort of twerk, it was a lean forward, palms on the ground, ass up, full twerk. 
and a lot of people thought that they were actually screwing. Later on, thanks to the crack research team, not the research team on crack, but the crack research team uh, found out that it was just in fact dancing. There were multiple camera angles on this, but it's amazing to me that the Canucks, one of the hottest teams in the NHL, against Florida, one of the best teams statistically in the NHL, fall far by the wayside because rapper Kodak Black decided to get his freak on in one of those sunrise suites and uh, everybody caught it. And you know what the best part was? Is how many people who have no idea who Kodak Black is all of a sudden started to go to Google, what is Kodak Black? Who is Kodak Black? Is that the guy that ended up singing that black and yellow song? No, that's Wiz Khalifa. Oh, is that the Bruce There It Is guy? Well, first of all, it's Woomp There It Is, and no, that was a group called Tag Team. Oh my gosh, well, is he sponsored? No, it's not a sponsor, it's just his name. His birth name? No, anyways, are you from Britain? Anyways, long of the short of it is the Vancouver Canucks move on, but I promise you, between the Bruce There It Is, Kodak Black dry humping in a Florida arena. This is turning into one of the most bizarre seasons in the existence of the Vancouver Canuck franchise. And the best part about it is they'll probably go on and win the Stanley Cup. No, don't quote me on that. But I just find it amazing that everybody in Vancouver got this much run out of Kodak Black basically getting a lap dance from insert girl's name here at a Panthers game. And a couple of days later, even yours truly, yours truly, is still talking about it. Do you think he has the old film? No, it's all digitized. Well, we go from a guy that was a couple of layers away from physically screwing to two sides that right now are definitely trying to screw themselves. Major League Baseball and the Players Association, no, they're at it again. Breaking ball high in the air. Hicks ranging back at the wall, at the track. Get out of here. God, a walk-off home run for Bill Bichette. So as many of you know, Major League Baseball have locked out their players as they try to hammer out a new collective bargaining agreement with Major League Baseball Players Association. Well, they had a Zoom call a little bit earlier today, which some are considering to be the first substantive talks since the lockout began six weeks ago. There is news coming out that the league have made a couple of proposals that, according to sources, do have some movement on their sides. Significant increases in pay for players with more than two years of service time. And they make efforts to try and deal with the service time manipulation that, of course, is there for baseball teams to use and the players aren't fans of it. Now, this is the proposal that has moved forward during the lockout. Just before the lockout, there were a number of concessions that Major League Baseball made according to their side of the story, which included an NBA-style lottery draft, the elimination of a qualifying offer system, which would remove draft pick compensation from all free agents, and a universal DH. Now, what does Major League Baseball Players Association have to say? Well, they haven't come forward publicly and said that they weren't happy with it, but there are a number of reports coming out saying that it was, quote, not positive. Jeff Passan of ESPN saying that the news coming out today or the limit of movement coming out today could affect the start time to spring training in February. This coming from his Twitter account, Jeff Passan saying, quote, there is no deal. There never was going to be one today. Major League Baseball made a proposal. The reaction among players was not positive. Few on either side expected it to be. The question now is how soon the Major League Baseball Players Association will counter. Spring training starting on time is now in peril. The meeting today was the first time that these two sides got together in six calendar weeks. It was 42 days before they broke off talking about the collective bargaining agreement, which expired months ago. You got to remember something here. 
You think of the last two years with Major League Baseball, their revision of their minor league system, COVID, and how they handled their players on those fronts. Major League Baseball right now can't afford to take this lockout that affects playing time, whether it's at spring training, whether it truncates the season, whether they manipulate the season, they can't have any of this. There has never been a stronger point of negotiation from the Players Association in recent memory, 25, 30 years. You got to remember, players have been all over free agency, salary arbitration. They want to raise in the luxury tax threshold to go from 210 to 245 million. There's a lot of things here that the players want to try and get this done. There would be a minimum salary increase going from 570 to 775. That's a pretty good jump for any league. But the asks right now, in the face of a pandemic where the world is scuffling, where everybody right now is spinning their tires in the mud, is not good publicly. It's not a good look for the Players Association and the things that they want done. It's not a good look for Major League Baseball, who over the last couple of years has had a number of black eyes before even going into the CBA that they knew two, three years ahead of it was coming down the pipe. Some would say it is strictly positioning. Like, come on. Who would have thought that the union was going to take one of these first offers from Major League Baseball? They're going to fight this right down to the 11th hour, and they're going to try to get this done. But I think you both have to take some concessions, and I think this is what's going to happen. Major League Baseball is going to have to eat some of the things that they want. The Players Association is going to have to eat some of the things that they want, because I can tell you this right now. The numbers don't lie. There was a report recently that came out that said the average game attendance last year was the lowest it's been since the 1980s. Now, you can say it was COVID. You can say it's because there's now different ways that you can enjoy baseball without going to a stadium. That would be fair. But they also went on to say in the same report that the Major League average age of a fan is now closer to 60, which is a problem. NBA coming in in the mid-40s. The NFL was right around 50. And that younger generation right now... He's watching, wondering if this is going to be able to get done without any more mudslinging. I think baseball absolutely unequivocally cannot afford at all to have a labor stoppage that bleeds into actually affecting gameplay. It's the one time where nobody wins so that we can all win, if that makes any sense. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. Well, very quickly, going to bounce back to hockey. I know we didn't get into hockey news per se, but Vancouver Canucks releasing today at about 3.30 this afternoon. The goaltender Thatcher Demko has been selected to represent Team Pacific at the upcoming NHL All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas. Now, of course, everybody knows in Las Vegas, Bubble Demko appeared, and hopefully he'll get a period of hockey to further cement his legacy in Sin City. 28 games this season, a modest 15-12-1 record, a 2.64 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage. Great numbers. He is tied for first with Vegas's Robin Lehner in wins with 15 and his 806 saves ranking second league-wide. And I don't think anybody's surprised considering the month that he's had dating back to September. He was a third star in December, 7-1 with a 1.72 goals against average, a 9.46 save percentage, and he was the NHL's first star of the week in the middle of December. Now, I said that he was the seventh goaltender to become an all-star as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. Can you name the other six? It's all right, I'll help you out here. Gary Smith in 1975. King Richard Brodeur in 83, but he didn't play. That allowed John Garrett to play. He replaced Richard Brodeur. 
Kurt McLean did it twice in 1990 and in 92. Roberto Luongo did it three times in 07, 08, and he did not play in 2009. Jacob Markstrom in 2020 was the replacement for Marc-Andre Fleury. The NHL also announcing today that Canucks forward JT Miller has been selected as the team's candidate for the upcoming Last Man in Fan Voting Award, which gives fans the opportunity to vote for the final player on each divisional roster. So congratulations to Thatcher Demko, and we will reserve our congratulations for JT Miller. All right, final news of the day, and this one is an interesting one because you are watching the evolution and the demise of a sport before your very eyes. It is more than just Logan and Jake Paul right now doing big things in boxing when it comes to pay-per-views. Not saying that they're the greatest boxers in the world, but they do know how to promote and they do know how to get paid. Heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou has told the UFC that after his fight at 270 against Cyril Gain, that he is done. That he is not going to work under his current contract, which is in the 500 to 600,000 per fight range, and that if he doesn't get a new deal, he is done. Now, Dana White has come out and said, listen, we'd love to have you, but if you think the grass is greener on the other side, have at it. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but Ngannou and Tyson Fury have been going back and forth about maybe crossing over, doing a little boxing, where Ngannou comes over and takes on Fury. You know that that would be huge pay-per-view numbers. I don't know if it would be hundreds of millions, but it would definitely be more than what Ngannou has made probably in the last three to four years under Dana White. So let's put that aside for a second. Maybe we get Ngannou and Fury, these guys jabbing back and forth on social media on a crossover fight, and you know what? If that happens, it happens. Let's look at the big picture right now because the UFC, and I mentioned this just the other day on social media, is really in a haze as it stands. They're big talkers, they're big walkers, just haven't been there for the last couple of months, whether it's Mystic Mac and his broken leg, whether it's their women's champion Amanda Nunez all of a sudden getting caught off guard in her last match, and the early retirement of Habib Nurmagomedov. This is a brand right now that is desperately looking for something to hang their hat on in 2022. And when you have your heavyweight, your big dog, Francis Ngannou, saying that he's out because of pay, it kind of circles back right now on what the Paul brothers are doing. Because now all of a sudden the UFC fighters are saying, well, listen, I know that this is the only show in town. Yeah, cool, I could go to Bellator, but I'm not going to make any money. But if I want to make money, I put on the big red gloves and I go box and I can make as much as I've made in years. Dana White's got a problem here on his hands because the more crossover that he gets from his UFC fighters, the more oxygen and life that gets breathed back into a sport that's been on their back for the eight count. I'm telling you right now, it is so much bigger than just Francis Ngadu or Conor McGregor going across. It is the revival of a sport that for the last couple of years has been suffocated by UFC. And trust me, if boxing gets right, it is still a premier sport in North America. So what does the UFC do? Do they buckle? Do they finally say it's time to pay more? Dana White coming out in an article at ESPN.com saying, in not so many words, take it or leave it. The pressure is on the UFC much more than they're letting on right now. Would you watch Ngannou and Tyson Fury if they were to square up at the boxing ring? Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F is in Frank A-I. Let me know what you think. Are you getting used to this crossover? Are you starting to enjoy the Conor McGregor's of the world, the potential to see Francis Ngannou take on a fighter like Tyson Fury? And is it good for the sport of boxing as bad as it is for the brand of UFC? Love to hear from you on Twitter. Hit me up at Rob Fay.
All right, that wraps up your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio. Don't forget, we're here all the time. Just subscribe if you would. iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, just know that we are always around. So don't forget Nation Extreme Wrestling. Go to nationextremewrestling.com. Get your tickets for our upcoming show on Friday the 25th at the Old Edgewater Casino, which is now the Harbor Convention Center. It is a card that you have rarely seen in Vancouver, and we do have limited tickets still available. My thanks to Chris Perry and everybody with Equity Guru. Equity Guru, if you ever want some information on what you could do to better your finances, to make sure that your family's stable for years to come, go to equity.guru and learn how to invest even as a newbie with a company that will teach you the basics without making you feel intimidated. My thanks to everybody at Equity Guru. Until you and I do this again very soon, I am Rob Fay, and this has been Sports Bar Radio, presented to you as always by Equity Guru. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.